again, as we continue our year-long series, we know that this is a very, very important part, if not the most important part of all of God's word um, here tonight with his um, death and then, of course, Sunday with his resurrection. Um, But tonight's message is titled The Last Night. And I hope you got a chance to read um, in your devotional book um, those three chapters. And and we just chose The Last Night for the title tonight. And as we continue to use the the companion book, I've said communion too many times today, companion book, um, we're going to read just a couple of excerpts out of it again tonight as well. And we're going to start off with these words that the author wrote. He said, this night was unlike any other. The tension was palpable, which basically just means there was a lot of tension. It's not a word we used often. Everyone seemed on edge. There was bickering among them, and Jesus was in a strange mood. Their conversation had gone from death and betrayal to joy and peace. He kept telling them to love one another. And as I reflected on this, I realized that all through Jesus' life, he was teaching his disciples how to die. How to die to self. How to live a sacrificial, servant, humble life. All through his life, he was teaching them how to die. In John chapter 13, verse 15, Jesus said, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And so we as followers of Jesus, too, should look at his life and recognize that he, too, is calling us to die to self, to live a humble, servant, sacrificial life. It's interesting, though, that as Jesus was preparing to die, all the events that led up to his death, and even during his dying process, he was teaching the disciples how to live. He did that with the example of a simple yet profoundly humble act of washing the disciples' feet to live a servant's life. Can you imagine getting down on your knees, your basin of water, your towel wrapped around you, and gently washing the feet of the one who is going to betray you? Can you imagine how humble Jesus was in order to be able to do that? But he was demonstrating that life of service to love one another. Of course, Jesus tried to communicate the importance of that night with his disciples. All through their time together, he was trying to explain to them. Through the washing of the feet, through the breaking of the bread, the taking of the cup, clearly stating, at least to us with all the hindsight that we have, that he would suffer and die. He also was telling them that he was going to come back. 
And that's why he charged the disciples with when he had instituted the Lord's Supper or communion as we call it. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Keep doing it until I return. Of course, after the meal with his disciples, Christ then moves to the garden and the disciples follow with him. And Jesus, of course, is going to spend a great deal of time in prayer there. In Luke chapter 22, starting with verse 9, the word says, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Again, Jesus is modeling the life that we are to live. That when we're facing these difficult times in our lives, that we can go and need to go to him in prayer. And to believe that he's going to strengthen us as we come to him. Turning back to our companion book, the author writes, And then he went back to talk to his father again after he had told the disciples, Go and pray. This time he was resolved. His face was as hard as flint. If it must be done, it must be done. If there's no other way, then so be it. Not my will, but yours be done. Of course, shortly after that, we know that Judas had come along with the guards from the Roman Empire to arrest Jesus. Jesus went on to endure six trials within about an eight-hour period of time. Through those trials, Christ suffered ridicule, insults, beatings, floggings. He had three trials with the religious council, all of them bringing about a guilty as charged and the decision of the death penalty. The three trials of the Roman government all proclaimed that he was innocent. But yet, due to the fear that the Roman official Pilate had of the people, he instead ended up releasing Barabbas, the one who was actually deserving of death, and turned Christ over to be crucified. Just days prior to all of this, Jesus had come in to Jerusalem 
amongst a crowd that was cheering, that their king had arrived, calling out, save us now, to now a second crowd from this week, calling out, crucify him. And there was a third crowd. One that trailed behind Christ. Filled with grief. As he made his way up the hill to Golgotha. Christ the perfect sacrificial lamb. In birth, Christ fulfilled a great deal of prophecy. In death, he did the same. Listen to these verses from Psalm 22, and I'm going to start with the first verse. It says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now that sounds rather familiar, doesn't it? Those are some of Christ's last words recorded for us in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. And sometimes we can look at those simple words and think that God abandoned Christ. But really what happened is Christ was saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As a sign to the people, I am a fulfillment of the prophecy of Psalm 22. Listen to some of the other verses. Everyone who sees me not mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. My life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied, and all who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him all who are mortal. All whose lives will end as dust. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. 
they will hear about everything he has done. Jesus was saying, I am the Lord. I am the Messiah. I have fulfilled this prophecy. And of course, we know many, many more. Another last statement from the cross, we know there were others, but just one more, is it is finished. It is finished. I've taken care of all of it. I have fulfilled the Father's will. My grandma's brother, Tony, they were very, very close. And Tony would come up from Chicago um, in the summers when I was a kid and even as an adult. I was probably well into my 30s before he passed away. He had served in World War II. And I remember my grandma pointing out one time, he never talks about the war. He never shares anything that he witnessed. And I think that's quite similar to the writers of the Gospels because they don't go into great depth about Jesus' suffering on the cross. It was too horrific for them. Turning back to our companion book. says the writers of the Gospels don't go in for a lengthy meditation on the cruel suffering involved. They don't dwell on gory details or meticulous depictions. Even Luke, the gospel writer who is normally given to medical descriptions, shies away from doing so at this point in his narrative. The apostle John was there. He actually witnessed the event, the horror of it, the agony of it. Yet he refuses to pander to our base desire for spectacle. There are no drawn-out explanations of the flogging Jesus endured. No gruesome reminders of the sights and the sounds of actual crucifixion. The bloodiness has been removed. There is no emotional manipulation of the biblical accounts of that day. Perhaps they were too close to the actual events to write about them. People were still being killed in this manner when these four men, prompted by God himself, set down their records of the events. There was no need to describe what was involved. Everyone knew. Perhaps it was still too emotionally charged for them to write down the details. The wounds still fresh. Talking about it in too much detail may have left a feeling of picking at scabs that hadn't had time to heal yet. Regardless of their reasons, the authors chose to edit the content of the storyline somewhat at this point. What actually happened was too awful, too terrible, too horrible to contemplate for very long. Yet it was too necessary, too wonderful to skip over completely. There are churches where Good Friday isn't commemorated. They don't like to talk about it. They want the rush of Easter, the joy of the resurrection, but they are two sides of the same coin. You cannot have a resurrection until you have a death. And there is no empty tomb 
unless there is first a figure on a cross. And of course, we know that Christ is that figure. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Christ died on the cross, shedding blood as a sacrificial lamb. Foreshadowed all those years when again and again they repeatedly would sacrifice the lambs, the goats, the bulls, over and over starting all the way back into the garden. Christ's crucifixion, though, was the ultimate sacrifice. Yes, it is just as he declared from the cross. It is finished. The weight of sin has been carried. The debt has been paid. He's taken care of it all. He has fulfilled the Father's will. It is is finished. And that's why to us Christians it's called Good Friday. Christ paid it all for all. One time took care of it. And because we know that Sunday is coming, we can worship with gratitude as we remember our penalty of sin has been paid. It's been taken care of. Our relationship with the Father has been restored because of the bloodshed of Christ. God is amazing. That he would have planned this before time even began because he knew the choices that we would make. We're going to take communion in just a minute. But I want to pray before that. And I just want to use that time to uh, have each of us consider the day we remember when, when we first knew that Christ's shed blood covered our sin and had set us free from eternal death and that separation from our Heavenly Father. So I just want us all, it's, it's going to all look different for us of what that day looked like. But I just want us to remember that as we move into communion. So let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we recognize that moment when we saw the truth. Our desperate need of you receiving you as our Lord and Savior, and knowing that your blood was shed for our sin, and that by receiving you, we were set free. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for the suffering that you went through on our behalf. And Lord, we do know that Sunday is coming. We know that you rose again. Lord, we want to reflect tonight with gratitude of what you have done. May you receive the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.